thanks be to God for the gift of his son Jesus, for the gift of forgiveness of sins, for the hope for today and tomorrow and for all of eternity. Thanks be to God. I'm so glad to see you. Glad you're here. I want to say thank you. Many of you served yesterday in Serve Coweta. Boy, I'm feeling some muscles that I haven't felt in a while. What a blessing. Uh, in December, we'll have another one where we will join churches from all over the county to serve. Uh, I hope that you will stay tuned to be a part of that. Last week, we started studying the parable of the lost sheep. And I want to continue with that today. Uh, last week, I talked about the reckless love of God, the, the wild and crazy love that seeks and pursues us, that never gives up, that no matter where we go or no matter what we do, no matter how far we stray from the fold, God is always with his love running after us to draw us back into the fold. We saw ourselves last week as that lost sheep, that the reckless love of God runs after us and continues to draw us back in. Today, I want us to focus on the radical love of God, and I define that is as the profound and far-reaching love that finds I believe that it's a love that's revolutionary, the love that has a major impact on, on persons and transforms people and transforms society. We're going to look again at the parable of the lost sheep, but this week we're going to go to the gospel writer's math, uh, Luke's perspective. Last week was Matthew. And today I want us to focus especially on our being part of the 99. I want us to, to, to hear how I believe God is calling us to go out, to go out to be a part of the seeking, the redeeming, and the finding. So get out your phones or your Bibles. Let's turn to Luke 15, and let's get started. Luke 15. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he is founded, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I want to start with giving you some background again to kind of put things into perspective. In Luke, this is the beginning of, of three parables in Jesus' teaching. They're called the lost parables, the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the lost son, which some of you may know as the prodigal son story. 
And Luke shares this as part of his teaching, uh, reminding us of Jesus' teaching on being a disciple or being a follower of his. So I want you to go back to a, a chapter before in Luke 14, and just a couple verses here will kind of put the teaching of Jesus into perspective. Luke 14, starting with the 25th verse. Here he was teaching what it means to be a follower of him, of Jesus. If anyone comes to me, and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. I remember back around graduation time, Brent preached a, a, a sermon called, This is a Hard Teaching. And let me tell you, Brent, this is a hard teaching. It puts things into perspective. And some of you got stuck on the word hate. Because Jesus said we need to hate our family. We need to hate our lives. And we need to suck it up and be his follower. But I want you to understand that in the Semitic language, in the Semitic term, hate does not mean hate like we think it means. It meant, I want to get this right, loving less or preferring less. So it's a matter of perspective. Jesus is telling his followers, if you want to be a true disciple of mine, then you put things in priority. You love me more then you love your family. You love your family less. You love me more than you love your life. You love your idea, your life less than you do me. So with that into perspective, then next Luke teaches us or reminds us of what Jesus is teaching us about giving up of ourselves, our life, our priorities, and being about his father's business. And that's where we need to go. Jesus was a revolutionary. Last, year, last week I called him a superhero. I couldn't believe that that came out of my mouth. But hey, I've been thinking about that all week. Jesus, radical in love, reckless abandonment in going after the least and the lost. Now, Jesus' way of discipleship and mission was scandalous. He was willing to give up everything. His, remember how we talked about Philippians 2? He was willing to give up his equality with God, humble himself, and die a gruesome death on the cross so that he would pay our debt, our penalty, for a life of imperfection and sin. Not only did he do that, but as, as the Pharisees were trying to, to uh, condemn him, it said that, well, he welcomed and ate with sinners. He was a friend of sinners and tax collectors. You see, his discipleship was not in separation. He did not isolate himself from others. Instead, he associated himself with others. He humbled himself. It was the exact 
opposite of the religious leaders, of those scribes and Pharisees. Because you see, they were at that time his hostile critics. The scribes and Pharisees allowed their self-righteousness to become a barrier, and that self-righteousness isolated them, separated them from the least and the lost. Now, in this parable, the, the lost, that sheep that goes astray, is what we would call the other. It would be those that the scribes and Pharisees would be condemning. It would be the tax collectors, the unbelievers, the outcasts, the less thans, the unacceptable ones. My friends, it would be those people. Now, Jesus was revolutionary, and let me share with you the definition of revolutionary. It means one that fearlessly advocates radical change and challenges the status quo. That's who Jesus was. He went against those who were saying it's all about the rules of religion and you have to do it this way. And he chose to go against societal norms to go to the least, to, to eat with the lost. You know, in, in Bible times, sharing a meal together was the most intimate and personal experience. Jesus was modeling in his life the way he wanted us to be in relationship with others. You see, I believe that Jesus radically joined in his father's business. He chose to join what his father was doing in the world. He was seeking out the lost, and the least. And it was with that profound and far-reaching love that finds others, that redeems and transforms, that completely changes the trajectory of lives. The scribes and Pharisees I mentioned last week didn't think of much of children. Children were in the, the societal listing of those that were looked down upon, that were scorned upon. They were part of the less than. Of course, the outcasts and the lost were part of that less than group. But so were shepherds. As I was studying this week, I was was fascinated to learn that in first century Bible times, shepherds were listed as, as part of the despised trades. They were categorized along with camel drivers, with sailors, with gamblers with dice, and with tax collectors. In other words, they were considered shiftless thieves. Now, don't you just love it that Jesus, in his radical way, chose to tell a teaching story, this parable, by saying that God is a good shepherd and he himself, Jesus, is embodying the shepherd business. Did you see what he did there? He took the lowest of low, despised again, despised profession, and said, I'm going to be one of them. I will embody 
living a life of radical love. I just, I just love that. All right, so as we go on to, to look at this parable a little bit more, as I told you last week, we don't know many details about the story. We, I fleshed it out last week about what, what might be happening in that group of 99. I, it is surmised that they are established. In other words, they were, were, uh, uh, they were depending on being in a group together. More or less, they had been trained to stick together, to watch out for one another. They probably had learned the voice of the shepherd. They knew that they were going, the shepherd knew that they were going to be okay. I love that in this story today, Luke calls it that they were left in the wilderness, meaning that the shepherd knew that they were at risk that they would have to fend for themselves while he goes to run after the one. Now, whatever it, however it uh, uh, turns out, um, I, wanna, I want us to go from a human perspective what this parable may mean. We've got the 99, and today I want us to include ourselves in that. 99, safe and secure. Most of us in this room are believers, not everybody, and I'm grateful I am grateful that there are some in this room who, who are not yet there, who are questioning, who are here because they want to learn more. Thank you. So we've got 99, safe and secure mostly, by the radical love of Jesus Christ. If we're in this group, we are recipients of God's love and acceptance, that radical love. He, we have been forgiven and redeemed. Those, those yucky, dirty places of sinfulness in our lives have been cleansed, pure as snow, as our song said, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And scripture also says that we are part of righteous persons who need no repentance. Well, I want to remind you that all of us are sinners who have fallen short and, and have been forgiven by the, the blood of Jesus Christ. We are part of the group that needs to hold one another accountable, that when we are having a rough time, someone else can pour into us and speak words of life and love and vice versa. Then we've got the one. As I said, it perhaps is that that family that lives across the tracks or lives within a mile of our church. Perhaps it's that, that family in our neighborhood who are part of that crowd, or it is the outcasts or those that look or talk differently than us, those who we believe are less than. And in the parable, the good shepherd leaves to go after that one. Scripture says, some of you remember that from when you were little, a Sunday school picture of when, when the good shepherd found the sheep, he put it up around his neck and took it home. And not only that, when he got home, he asked that the, the friends and his family rejoice with him that the lost had been found. I believe that God is asking every single one of us, are we willing to join in the celebration? Because that good shepherd, Jesus, whenever a lost is found, whenever uh, the least of these is brought into the fold, 
Jesus rejoices. Are you and am I willing to join in that celebration? Are we willing to follow Jesus, our good shepherd's example? Are we willing to associate with those other people like Jesus did? Are we truly willing to see others as equal, to see others as beloved children of God? Are we willing to go to the one? Like I said, God's love through Jesus Christ for us is radical. His love does not, is not associated with separation. It's associated with association. It is a going to. It is bridging the divide. It is living our lives in such a way that Jesus can be seen. And I just have to say, this happens both inside and outside of our walls. And I'm going to speak some truth here. I believe we can do much better. Much better. I'm going to stare straight ahead because last week, I know there were several guests here. And from the stage, we watched a long and lengthy turn and greet time. And not one person spoke to this family. Not one. My friends, there are guests here. I'm so glad you're here. Give us a chance. We're, we're working at it. But I just am going to speak from my heart for a minute. I believe that we have become comfortable because so many of us know each other. And we come coming as friends. And it's kind of like a family reunion. But we have gotten focused with our blinders on, and we're not looking at those around us. We're not seeing people the way God wants us to see people. We're not getting out of ourselves enough to take a risk. I know you don't want to go up to somebody who's been a member of this church for 40 years since they were a young child and be so embarrassed because you asked them if they were new here. I say that it would be better for us to do that than to ever allow a guest to come here again without being spoken to. Because you know, they're just like us. All of us come to this place needing and seeking hope, needing to be part of a community. That's how we're created, to love and be loved, to be part of that 99. And sometimes, my friends, the only, the only way someone is going to feel the love of Jesus is just by a, hey, how you doing? Or, good morning. I'm glad you're here. We can do better. Because this is a more so. It's who God calls us to be. To be the church. 
inside these walls, but then especially also, just as importantly, I would say more importantly, because basically, friends, we're here an hour, an hour and a half on Sunday morning. We spend the rest of the week outside of these walls. God is calling us to be image bearers, to bring light into darkness, to bring hope where there's despair. I believe that God is calling each and every one of us to be in the 99, to learn, to grow, to be trained, to listen to the shepherd's voice, and then to leave and go after, to go to the one. What does it look like in our daily lives? It's a matter of being willing, willing to interact. It, it's a matter of being willing to associate with one another. A lot of you know I'm an introvert. I don't do well with surface-level talk. I mean, I, I, that's uncomfortable to me. But the last few weeks, God has been convicting me through the power of the Holy Spirit that it is not about me. I have to let go of my stuff in order to take the time to see people in my midst. It means that we must be willing to, to allow the spirit of the living God that lives within us to shine through us. Um, I want to tell you a couple stories. I, I read, I pulled out an old book. We read it years ago as a church. It was uh, Just Walk Across the Room by Bill Hybels. And he told the story, um, he told the story about going to a barber shop. And before he went in to get his hair cut, he said, God, if you want anything to happen while I'm in there, if you want me to say a word for you or try to help somebody else's need, he said, please, please, just, just help me. Make my, I, I'm available, my heart is ready, I'm willing. Now, he tells this humorous story of how all of the barbers in that shop were, were so um, talkative that he couldn't get a word in edgewise, and there was nothing that he did other than to get his hair cut and to thank the barber and to, to kind of say, bless you, as he left. But the thing is, my friends, he was willing. He was open to an opportunity to have an interaction that would be revolutionary or could be radical enough to change the trajectory of somebody else's life. So I want to encourage you. I, I'm certainly convicted by this. I want our prayer to be, help me to see other people. Help me to slow down enough so that I might be able to encourage somebody. Or I might just have a smile or a a, a word of encouragement. I want to be present. I want to be attentive. God, don't allow me to be in such a hurry that I miss the nudges that you're putting in my heart. Don't let me miss the people that you're putting in my path. It's a going to the one. The Holy Spirit brought a question to me that I, I, I still am just really wrestling with. And this is what came to me this week. Could it be 
that only those of us who can celebrate God's radical love for others can truly and wholeheartedly experience his radical love for ourselves. Let me ask that again, and you can help me wrestle with it. Could it be, perhaps, that only those of us who can celebrate God's radical love for those people, that then we might truly be able to experience his radical love for us. Bill Heibel said, life's greatest moments, life's greatest moments evolve from simple acts of cooperation. Cooperation with God's mysterious promptings. You see, we don't have to get, we don't have to think this up, how we live as Jesus followers, how we live. It is simply joining God in what God's doing. All right, y'all, Pay attention. Y'all just, I lost all of you with them going. And here we were trying to make this smooth transition. Well, so much for that. I'm not going to let distraction get you. (laughs) I'll just wait. Cooperating with what God is already doing in this world. Being open and willing, as, as Heibel says, to cooperate with God's mysterious promptings. Because when we do, even though often those promptings don't make any sense to us, if we take a risk and and follow the promptings of the the spirit of the living God within us, I truly believe, as Heibel says, we will help God find the lost and free the enslaved. I truly believe that is why we're here on this earth. So are you willing? Are you available? How are you, how am I, going to be open to God's direction in the coming weeks so that we might be a part of his revolutionary love for all of his children? Let's pray. Nick's going to lead us today. be filled with kindness and compassion for the one the one for whom you came and gave your son for humanity increase my love Help me to love with open arms like you do. Love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you. Even in just a smile, we feel the Father's love 
how you love us From the homeless to the famous and in between You formed us, you made us carefully Cause in the end We're all your children So help me to love with open arms Like you do Love that erases all the lines And sees the truth Oh, that when they look in my eyes would see you even in just a smile they would feel the father's love let all my life tell the fool you are and the wonder of your never ending Let all my life tell who you are That you're wonderful and such a good father Let all my life tell who you are And the wonder of your never-ending Let all my life tell of who you are That you're wonderful and such a good father That you're wonderful and such a good father So help me to love with open arms like you do Love that erases all the lines and sees the truth Oh, that when they look in my eyes they would see you Even in just a smile they would feel the Father's love That erases all the lines and sees the truth Oh, that when they look in my eyes They would see you Even in just a smile They would feel the Father's love It's even in just a smile Father's love